After the death of both of my grandparents, we had the job of, of emptying their home for the purpose of selling it. The saddest part of that task for me was a special room in their house that was in the lower level of their home. It was my grandmother's art room. As I walked in to clean it out, I saw a few framed oil paintings that my grandmother had painted, but mostly what I saw were incomplete oil paintings that she had not finished. Some of those incomplete and unfinished oil paintings were on easels with the pots of oil paints dried as hard as glasses of water in winter. It struck me that so much of her art was incomplete. I didn't know why, so I asked. The answer I got was quite surprising to me. I thought they would say, well, because she was so busy supporting your granddad in his funeral home businesses or involved in her volunteer work, she was just so busy she couldn't finish her paintings. Or I was expecting they would tell me that her hands got arthritic as she aged and she couldn't hold the brush as before and that's why you find incomplete paintings. But they didn't say anything like that. When I asked why my grandmother's oil paintings were not finished, it left me as sad as a dog lover who goes to the Humane Society and leaves empty-handed. The answer I received was because she didn't think that her painting was good enough. No one ever told her that, mind you. No one said that you're a bad artist. But in her own mind, she was her own critic. She was her only critic as well. And so because somehow she came to believe that she was an inadequate oil painter, she didn't finish the projects that she started. Part of this message about how God views incomplete ministry works. That's why I tell you the story. Turn in your Bibles if you have them handy to Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12. We're coming back to the last two verses of the chapter that we looked at last week. This is what the end verses of Acts chapter 12, 24 and 25 say. But the word of God grew and multiplied. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry. And they also took with them John, whose surname was Mark. You'll recall that chapter 12 of Acts is a whirlwind, a tornado of activities. There was an execution of a Christian leader. There was a miraculous jailbreak. There were executions of two jail guards. There was a blasphemous king who accepted worship and as a result, God judged him by having him eaten alive over five days with worms. What a chapter. What an array of dramatic things that happened. How would you think the Holy Spirit would summarize that chapter? Well, he summarized it with the two verses I just read. And those two verses focus on 
the word of God, the work of God, and the workers of God. That's what the Holy Spirit chose to summarize. Last time we saw that God's word is living. And we saw that God's work is supposed to be completed. I just want to return briefly to the fact that God's work has to be completed. That's what God wants. And so that's our first point if you're taking notes today. God's work is supposed to be completed based on verses 24 and 25. And the word of God grew and multiplied and Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem, watch it, when they had fulfilled, completed their ministry. And they also took with them John, whose surname was Mark. In the first part of verse 25, the Greek word which is translated ministry in the New King James Version and mission in the New American Standard Bible is diakonia. Diakonia, the word from which we get deacon. Verse 25, part A, and Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had diakoniaed their ministry when they had completed it. That encourages me because it tells me that if their work was given to them in stages, then my work for Christ is also given to me in stages. And if they could understand that they had finished, completed, fulfilled a stage of God's work given to them, that we can as well, that I can. I can know when I've completed, fulfilled, and com- what God wants me to do at certain stages of my Christian life. That's encouraging, very encouraging. You do know that God has preordained good works for each of us who trust his son to be savior and Lord. Every one of us has good works that God has preplanned that he wants us to do. And he doesn't want to do us to do them incompletely. He wants us to do them completely. It says in Ephesians 2.10, for we, believers, are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, watch, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Whatever good works God has for you, he's prepared them beforehand before you were even conceived. And he expects you to do them in discernible stages or parts as you can see the discerning of the part. God expects us that in these good works that he's prepared beforehand, first of all, that they're signature, personalized, unique good works. The Greek word translated workmanship in Ephesians 2.10 is poema. Let me read it that way. For we are his poemas. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God is saying in Ephesians 2.10 to you, if you're saved, you are my poem. Do you know of two poems that they're the same? I don't either. You are God's poem. The good works, largely that he has for you to do, are unique to you. That's why you don't compare ourselves to others. We shouldn't. And God gives us poems, work to do that's good, that he's identified for each of us uniquely before we were ever conceived or born again, 
And he will give us, as an act of grace, he will give us a sense of when those good works are divided into discernible, completable stages. The Savior expects us, with his help, to complete the stages of the good works that he's given to us as we can. You know, we have this wonderful Boxing Day lunch in ministry. It's tremendous how many people get involved. It's a big project with uh, many, many good works and stages and component parts, right? Good works like donating funds, giving out tickets, cooking turkeys and hams, cooking veggies, organizing workers, setting out the tables, buying the desserts, slicing the meats. You get the point. Discernible, completable tasks add up to the Boxing Day luncheon. Taking meals to the senior homes, tearing down and cleaning up the tables in the kitchen afterwards. Every one of those tasks had a discernible, obvious, identifiable completion. And so when all the workers went home at the end of the outreach of the Boxing Day meal, we all had done our parts and we had all fulfilled our parts and all had completed our parts, so the whole project was fulfilled and completed. That's how it works in the church. When you fulfill complete Don't leave incomplete the good works that God puts right before you. Then the work of the whole assembly can't be complete until your part in it is complete and my part in it is complete. When I've been led of the Lord to resign pastorates, I had a sense that the work in St. Mary's, Ontario was complete, so I was released to move to another assignment. When I finished the work in Beaverton, Ontario as a pastor, I had a sense that I fulfilled the ministry that God called me to Beaverton to carry out, and so with liberty of the Holy Spirit, I could consider another church. When I went to Pennsylvania, similar. When I sensed that God had helped me to complete what he wanted me to do at that church in Pennsylvania, I had liberty to talk with this church to see if God might lead us here, and we're so glad he has. But let me get more specific. That was sort of on a big scale of leaving churches as a pastor and starting to be with other churches. I know my pastoral work is, in many cases, divided up into meetings. And when I finish the meeting, take my action steps out of the meeting, I feel that chapter or segment or stage of God's good works for me is done. Or... Sermon by sermon I write. When I understand that I was to preach this sermon, it was all studied out and prepared, that was a discernible stage or phase of the good works that God prepared beforehand for me to do. And I rejoice that I can know that. I rejoice. You know, when you're on a cruise ship, they never stop cleaning. Cleaning the Buffet line, cleaning the washrooms, cleaning the rooms, the state rooms, cleaning the common areas, cleaning the swimming pools. It never stops. Nobody on a cruise ship at some point on the cruise says, we're all done cleaning. (laughs) Nope. Even that machinery that goes past those large, huge windows in the dining room that mechanically washes those windows, it doesn't stop. I'm so glad that the good works that God has prepared beforehand that each of us should do does have some discernible stages and phases that we can know when we're done as part of it. That's encouraging. 
That's so encouraging. Now, you say to yourself, okay, pastor, God's prepared beforehand good works for me to do, unique to me, and God expects me to complete the phases, the stages of that work to the best of my ability. So you should have a question right now. You should say, how do I do that? I don't want to know just that I'm supposed to do that. Can you help me know how to do that? Yes, I can. Every day, I fill out a piece of paper on a simple pad. Down this side of the paper is one hour increments in the day. And then beside that in this column is what God's called me to do that day by the hour. Now you leave room for flexibility in the spirit leading. Down here are all the tasks that I have to do all together. And when I conclude a day, the next morning I do this over. And I stroke off what God helped me to complete. And I put back on the next day what I left incomplete. That's how you complete stages and phases and parts of the good works that God has for you to do. You track it. I joke around with the staff. You can find me in heaven because I'll be wandering around the golden streets with lists like this. That'll be me. By God's grace, I don't always succeed, but by God's grace, I tend to not forget the good works that God's led me to do because I write them down. Because the weakest of ink is stronger than the strongest of memories. And so you say, Pastor Rob, okay, I want to be complete in my work for the Lord. I don't want to leave un incomplete things. I want to complete things. So how do I check that if I don't want to do this? I'll tell you how you do that. You get into bed, and before you fall asleep, you ask the Lord, is there anything that you wanted me to do today that I've left incomplete? God won't speak to you in audible voice, I don't think, but he will press on your heart some things if they're incomplete. Then what you do is when you wake the next morning, you seek to do the incomplete things from the day before and the things assigned you by God the day of. You say, but I've been incomplete in my tasks for plenty of time, Pastor, months as a Christian, years as a Christian, decades as a Christian. What do I do about all the backlog of the tasks I didn't complete? What do I do about that? You thank God for G-R-A-C-E. Thank you, Lord. G-R-A-C-E, grace. And you move ahead. You probably can't complete the things you should have completed in 1989. Maybe you can, though. But you move ahead. You don't get stuck. The enemy would like you to get stuck. Well, because I'm so far behind in the good works that I was supposed to do and there's so many things that are incomplete, I just can't do what the pastor talked about. Yeah, you can. You can start right now. G-R-A-C-E. And it says we were in Revelation 3, last Lord's Day, talking about the church at Sardis. And what did the angel tell the church at Sardis who had works that were incomplete? He said this, be watchful and strengthen. Be watchful and strengthen. 
So going forward from this point, starting tonight when you lay your head on the pillow tonight, ask the Lord, was there anything on February 5th you wanted me to do that I've left incomplete? And if you're convinced convinced there wasn't, write it on the list for February 6th. Be watchful and strengthen. I'm so excited and pleased that this week has been one of a great encouragement to me. You remember that I talked about certain ministries that are really needing workers, current ministries that are trying to restart or ones that the elders want to restart. And people responded. There's a, they got an e-blast. And by the way, if you're not getting e-blast, just phone the church office and we'll put you on the database. Over 300 people do get e- uh, emailed e-blasts. We put on an e-blast that had a link. If you want to volunteer for something, click here. And people did. People volunteered to give their testimonies on the radio. People volunteer to visit shut-ins, etc. Keep it up. Go to that link when you see it and click on and see, what does the church need? What does the church need that I could do? And then you can sign up right on the, uh, the link. You know, when I think about this exercise that I do on paper each day, tracking the hours, and the major tasks. When I think about that, that's what the Apostle Paul must have done. How do I know? Because the last book that he wrote, before he was beheaded, he knew he was going to die soon. Second Timothy, before he was let out of prison so they could take him to Rome to behead him, this is what he wrote. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. The only way the Apostle Paul could write that is if he evaluated what divine tasks he was to do in every day and just honestly determined whether he finished them or not. And what he didn't finish, he finished. And so what a thing to be able to say at the end of his life, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. God loves completed works. But the word of God grew and multiplied, and Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled, when they had fulfilled their ministry. And they also took with them John, whose surname was Mark. You know, a great thing I'm here to stand before you to tell you today is the body and the bride of Christ is far from perfect until we get to heaven. But the global body and bride of Christ, the universal church, has been doing a good job in working on fulfilling the Great Commission, which Jesus gave to us, go and make disciples of all the nations. That's Jesus' marching orders for us. Go and make disciples of all the nations. You know why I said the bride of Christ is doing a good job globally? This is why. Because there are eight billion persons on earth, and 3.2 billion are unreached or least reached. That's 40%. But get this, that means that 4.8 billion people on earth, that's 60% of the total number, are reached. 60%. According to the World Christian Encyclopedia. And you know what else you find out when you probe into this? with statistics that people who watch these things tell you, that every year, 2023, should Christ tarry, every year, 
2.7 million people convert to Christ around the world. 2.7 million every single day, including today. On average today, 2.7 million convert to Christ in the year. That translates to almost 7,400 convert to Christ around the world every day. So today, if it's an average day, about 7,400 people turn to Christ and believe and are saved. Isn't that good? Yes. Progress is being made. The task of the Great Commission can and will be fulfilled. We have to keep it up, though. We have to do our part. If, if 7,400 people are going to get saved today, are we going to do our part and share our faith with somebody today? If 7,400 people are going to get saved globally tomorrow, are we going to share Christ and not be timid and afraid and have locked jaw when it comes to giving the gospel tomorrow? <laughs> so far, we've seen about the work, and the work is the missions, the discernible, uh, identifiable stages of the good works that God has given to us that should be completed. So may I beg you, when it comes time and your body is lying in a funeral home somewhere, I beg you that you don't leave unpainted oil paintings, as it were, that your family will find. That they will not discover when they asked you about your involvement at Calvary Bible Church, well, she didn't think she was good enough to teach Sunday school. He didn't think he was good enough to share his faith. Finish the oil paintings that God has commissioned you to paint. The last point I want to make quickly is Sustainable ministry includes learners. Sustainable ministry includes learners. Second part of verse 25, and they also took with them John, whose surname was Mark. These apostles took with them on the first missionary journey a young man named John Mark, a learner. It did my heart good to sit on that bench while the choir was singing this morning and to see one of the protégés of Pastor Anthon Wallace leading the choir. Mm -hmm. And to see Pastor Wallace in the choir loft being led by the person he's trained to lead a choir. Yes. Sustainable ministry requires learners. Paul's learners were Barnabas and Silas and John, Mark, and Timothy. Now let's, let me be real with you. <laughs> I've been around the block enough to tell you, of course, sometimes having a learner along slows you down. It's okay. Sometimes having a learner along in your ministry is complicating and disappointing and controversial even. Remember, John Mark was evaluated very differently by Paul and Barnabas. <laughs> very differently. Acts 15 Where's Acts 15? Come on. It's always the last page you look for. You notice that? <laughs> Acts 15, listen to the different evaluation 
on this one same man, John Mark. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us now go back to visit our brethren in every city where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Now Barnabas was determined to take with them John, called Mark. But Paul insisted that they should not take him with them, the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia, and he had not gone with them to the work. Then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. Paul and Barnabas parted with one another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended by the brethren to the grace of God. Sometimes when you take along a learner to assist you and to learn as you do the ministry, sometimes they can create some complications. That's all right. It's still worth doing. So let me ask you. Are you serving the Lord? Good. If you are serving the Lord, who can you point to as the learner who's along with you to learn it? God. Who's along with you? The parsonage had a, the need of the um, air conditioner units to be cleaned. So we invited a man over, that's his business. The deacons uh, let us invite a man over and he came over and he was a fine young man who knew exactly what to do. And you know who was along with him for the whole job? His three-year-old son, whole job. His three-year-old son followed daddy around. Daddy said, carry this son. And if he could manage it, he carried it. Don't do that son, watch what I'm doing here son. I'm doing this son, three years old. He, he realized the sustainable business in cleaning air conditioners in Bahamas requires a learner along, three years old. I love that. Sustainable ministry includes learners. Let me ask you, you want a fish dinner? Buy a fish at the fish market. You want to have fish dinners cooked for you when you're aged? Teach your son or daughter to fish while you still are able to do that. Sustainable ministry includes learners. So I ask you again, who is with you and learning from you as you serve Jesus? Or who could be along with you to learn as you're serving Christ? Now, Acts chapter 12, let's pull back from the details of the chapter with a helicopter perspective. Let's get above chapter 12, and let's make a couple of observations. We've said that Acts chapter 12, according to the Holy Spirit summary, is about the word of God, the work of God, and the workers for God. That's what the chapter is about. Do you know that the word order is exceptionally important there? It's so important that the order be the word of God, the work of God, and then the workers for God. So important, because the word of God leads to the work of God, and the work of God leads to the workers for God. And you get that out of order, you get all messed up. I'm here to tell you, there's some messed up churches in Nassau. I'm not calling any names. There's some messed up churches, not just in Nassau, but anywhere you might care to look. These are churches that have departed from the word of God and still try to do the work of God. 
These are churches that are not doing the work of God, although they say they're doing the work of God, and they're calling deceived members to be workers in a work that isn't God's because the work isn't rooted in the word of God. Now these things I'm gonna share with you are all true about churches that have lost their way, okay? I'm not saying they're all in Nassau, some are. The churches which raffle off cars to boost attendance and giving. They bring a brand new car into the sanctuary and park it in front of the pulpit and sell raffle tickets so people can try to win the car. That's some churches do that. Or churches which make their pastor and his wife some kind of celebrities. And they fall over backwards just to please the pastor. That's a church that has lost its understanding of the word of God and it's going in the areas of the works of God that God isn't going to bless. Or the churches that create their own self-serving pseudo-gospel. They're not content with the biblical gospel that Christ died for sins and arose. They make the gospel something else. And you know what that can be like. And then there's some churches that their pastors are dressed in drag every Sunday. A, a woman dressed as a man, a man dressed as a woman. They've departed from the word of God, so they can't do the works of God, and they shouldn't be asking for any workers because they're not doing God's work. There are plenty of churches that do more to save the trees than the souls of lost people. They've lost the word of God. They've abandoned the word of God. They've twisted the word of God. And the fools that they recruit are fools. And I'm just so glad to tell you. I'm delighted to tell you. The Calvary Bible Church has the word of God. We have had it since 1962, amen? We have had the word of God since 1962 and we still have the word of God. And it's the word of God that leads us as a body of believers to the work of God. Evangelism. And the making of fully committed followers of Jesus Christ. That in the simple church concept, those fully committed followers of Christ are loving the Lord, they're loving one another, and they're loving the lost. And so we have the word of God, which gives us the work of God, and now I am calling for the workers for God. You know we need all kinds of workers right now. We need young workers, we need old workers. We need in front of the people workers and behind the scenes workers. We need those who work for Jesus Christ inside our four walls, and we need those who will work for Jesus Christ outside our four walls. And I'll close with this. Early, very early in my ministry, I came very close to quitting. I was um, discouraged, clinically depressed, battling anxiety and such. And I really didn't know if I was adequate to be a pastor or a preacher. No one told me that my sermons were lousy, but I told myself that they were. No one told me that they 
expected me to visit more in the hospital, but I told myself that. And so I came so close at the beginning of my ministry in 1988, in time of clinical depression, to quitting, walking away. But by God's grace, he saw me through that time and other times of depression. I'm prone to depression. And 35 plus years later, I look back with gratitude to God that I didn't walk away from all the oil paintings that were in my room. That I got back to the easel and I started painting and completing the, completing the oil paintings that God wanted me to complete. So glad. What a chapter. <laughs> the word of God is living. The ministry missions of God are to be completed. And sustainable ministry best includes learners. Don't leave your paintings incomplete. Don't believe anyone who lies to you, including yourself, that you're an inadequate painter. Christ is our adequacy. Heavenly Father, minister to us today. Impress upon us what most needs to happen in our lives. To give place to the word of God which is inspired and to see the living word of God change us. Or to figure out the ministry installments and stages that you have for us as good works that are unique to us so that we'll complete them. Or Lord, show us who we should invite to be alongside us as we minister for Jesus. Raise up a new generation of workers because the current generation of workers have taught those they called to be beside them in the work. And Lord, please, keep us on track with your word as a church. Keep us so riveted and tethered to your word that's living so that all the missions we give as opportunities for ministry to God's people in this church will be completed and they will be worth completing. And show us, Lord, how to pass ministry faithfulness on to future generations. And we ask these things for your glory and our good. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen.